Blog Talk Radio. Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for September 19th, 2012. Today's topic is how training can change the atmosphere in the call center. And if you're listening live, I invite you to be a part of the show today and ask questions. It's really easy, and here's how you can do it. You can either email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com, spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com, or if you happen to be one of the listeners on the phone right now, or if you're just close to a phone, you can call in. And here's the number you want to call, 347-857-3117. Make sure you press the number 1 on your phone. That lets me know that you have a question, and I'll get you in. And a big reminder, the first person to ask a live question on the phone today will receive a benchmarking survey from us at a $1,500 value. So get those questions ready. I do want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at any time of your convenience at BenchmarkPortal.com. So, let's go ahead and get the show started. It's my pleasure to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. I see that we have people on from uh, everywhere, all around the country, from Florida to Oregon, Ohio, Michigan. Well, welcome to everyone. We're really happy to have you. And uh, today's topic is a really important one, how training can set the atmosphere in a call center. And I can tell you, Brian, in my years in assessing call centers, uh, I've really become convinced that uh, screening and properly training the right people in your center uh, can have a huge impact on morale, on efficiency, and effectiveness. And, uh, you know, training and acculturation are uh, frequently underappreciated, but uh, are so, so important. And in the rush to get bodies and seats, oftentimes we, we, we don't think about that. So, uh, let's see, Brian, are you still there? I'm here. Okay, good. Very good. I thought I heard something there. Uh, So, we brought in two experts on the topic for you today, Fidel Ligsay and Ezra Easley from HealthNet Federal Services, which uh, provides services to the U.S. military community. Uh, Fidel is the Vice President of Call Center Operations for HealthNet Federal Services based in their uh, Rancho Cordova, California office. He's been in that role for the last six years, supporting the TRICARE Managed Healthcare Support Contract for the country's northern region. This region supports close to 3 million beneficiaries, their families, and the providers of care in that region. And prior to that, Fidel held a similar role with HealthNet's commercial managed care operation in Shelton, Connecticut, my home state. He also has call center leadership experience in a number of other industries, including banking and insurance. He earned his MBA from the University of Texas at San Antonio and currently resides just outside of Sacramento, California, with his wife and two sons. Ezra Easley is the Director of Call Center Operations for HealthNet Federal Services in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. He's been in that role for almost two years, supporting the TRICARE Managed Care Support Contract, again, for the country's northern region. And prior to this role, Ezra served as the Director, Patient Appointing Services, for four years, managing HealthNet's appointing contract for the Puget Sound, located in Tacoma, Washington. He has been with HealthNet since 2004. He has over 14 years of call center leadership experience, 
including a background in healthcare, telecom, and sales. And he currently resides in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, with his wife and three children. It's my real pleasure to welcome Fidel and Ezra. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, this is Fidel, and I'm happy to be with you today to share some of HealthNet Federal Services' thoughts and practices around our culture and, and how we set that tone for that culture from day one of new hire training. And this is Ezra, and I'm also excited about the opportunity to talk to you today on how training can change the atmosphere in the call center. So thanks again for the opportunity. Mm. And, you know, I think a lot of managers are looking for those keys to turning uh, culture around, to uh, improving morale, and just understanding how training can help do that is, is so important. So I'm delighted that we have both coasts represented on this Call Talk episode. And uh, let me ask you first, can you share with us what prompted your team to provide such focus on empathy for your new hire training of CSRs. This is something we've talked about before, and I was wondering if we could start there. Sure, Bruce. You know, it, it was the right thing to do. Uh, all of us know someone, either directly or indirectly, who has a loved one serving in our armed forces, and no one can dispute the, the huge commitment that serving our country has, not only on the service member, but on their families as well, and those are the folks that call us. We talk a lot about that with all of our new hire trainees when they join us. You know, many of them come to us with experience in other call centers, so they understand that aspect of our environment. But what's new to many of them, though, is that in our call center, most of our callers have the added stress of military life, and it's so important for them to understand that as they talk to each and every one of our callers. You know, and Bruce, this focus on empathy with our military community has actually helped us create a very unique culture here at HealthNet Federal Services. It's a very cohesive one, one where everyone feels a purpose or mission to serve those who actually serve. When we ask our associates what they like about working here, one of the things many of them talk to us about is that the added sense of meaning and purpose that the job has compared to any other job that they've had before. Well, I, I can see that. I mean, really, the uh, human connection and the human uh, part of all this, given the fact that uh, you're dealing with people whose family members are, are serving uh, our country in the military, uh, would certainly uh, have an extra impact here. And, uh, and so how do you ensure your associates can step into your customers' experience by, by showing the empathy and, and demonstrating the compassion uh, for their health care needs. Bruce, instilling a culture of caring, courtesy, empathy, and respect, it starts the minute that our associates step in, step in our front door. New associates receive the best possible training through our best-in-class training program certification. Mm. Program objectives, they're linked to the call center standards of performance, which are the performance indicators that measure empathy, courtesy, uh, as well as productivity, efficiency, and quality. So that training curricula is focused on important issues and achieving and exceeding the call center standards and increasing associate proficiency in serving our customers' needs. So here at HNFS, having a comprehensive associate training program is really an essential ingredient to the success in serving our customers. 
Yeah, you know, the, the balanced scorecard uh, components that you were talking about, you know, with the uh, quality side and the quantity or the efficiency side are, are things that we, of course, are, are really big on at, uh, at Benchmark Portal. And um, you mentioned the best-in-class training program in your remarks just now, Fidel. I, I was wondering if you and Ezra could share a little more about that best-in-class training program. Sure. Uh, well, Bruce, our program is separated into three unique learning phases. Uh, the first phase is the TRICARE program and T3 contract knowledge. Our second phase talks about system applications as well as resources. And the third is customer service experience. Associates receive competency-based certifications upon completion of each of these phases to ensure that they've learned and mastered the foundational principles. Bruce, um, HNFS recognizes the unique characteristics of the TRICARE population, our active military. And phase three that Ezra just mentioned, the customer service experience, it features um, customer, military, and market sensitivity programs and tools. This phase places special emphasis on empathy awareness, courtesy, and respect to ensure our associates demonstrate compassion for TRICARE beneficiaries and the unique challenges that they face. So to help our associates step into the customer and remember why we are here, our curriculum features a three-pronged approach towards promoting awareness of our customers' needs, where they come from and where they live. Hmm. Um, our interactive sensitivity learning and tools include um, customer service skills, which includes role-playing and simulations around the top challenges our customers face and how HNFS supports them. It includes a military life sensitivity web-enabled app that familiarizes service branches, history, culture, protocol, and practices, as well as terminology. And finally, a market sensitivity awareness web-enabled app that provides general awareness and familiarity of our market areas and their attributes, such as overall market, geography, uh, military treatment facility locations, and TRICARE service center locations, uh, and some of the barriers and access to care considerations that uh, they need to be aware of. We also utilize a series of military and customer video topics that reinforce the Remember Why We Are Here call center campaign. These video topics, um, such as Remember Why We're Here, Thank You, and Support Our Troops, they really remind our associates of the important role that they have in serving our military customers and providers, empowering them in navigating their TRICARE needs. All videos are available on our company intranet for easy access to all associates to review on a just-in-time basis. Wow, you really have training here as well, sort of mixed in with knowledge management. And I can see that this is one of those situations where uh, a knowledge management system sort of bleeds into a lot of the training on a continual basis. I mean, your military life sensitivity web, uh, what you described as the market sensitivity awareness web, uh, that's a lot of good information that people can refer to uh, to kind of continually keep them refreshed, if you will, on, on these aspects of giving good customer service to your, your population. So it sounds like you have a really comprehensive training program there. And do the CSRs have an opportunity to practice their skills prior to coming out of class so that they aren't just sort of uh, dumped into it, if you will? 
That's a great question, Bruce. And once the first two phases are completed, newly hired associates actually practice and mentor in the call center academy that uses live calls to build confidence and skill in delivering accurate information and quality service. These live calls are monitored to ensure the caller's receiving a quality experience. From there, ongoing quality monitoring is accomplished through chairside evaluations, coaching, as well as mentoring. Throughout, throughout all of the phases of training, we continually reinforce desired service behaviors to increase customer satisfaction. You know, the, the mentoring side of things is one thing that I've seen very successfully employed in certain centers and not very successfully employed in others. And uh, I can imagine, to a certain extent, the military uh, mindset, if you will, the cohesiveness, the, the, the sense that, you know, you're learning from other people and uh, you've got their back, uh, probably enters into the culture in the call center as well as, um, you know, as it is with the, the, the customer in the field. Um, so... After training, do you continually reinforce the desired service behaviors to, to increase satisfaction, and how do you do that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, our standards of performance, that is directly related, and we continually monitor our agents' empathy, courtesy, uh, and respect, as well as all of the other attributes we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's go back to the uh, military sensitivity and market tools. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, our military sensitivity tool, um, as a longtime contractor for the TRICARE program, HealthNet recognizes the unique characteristics of our military population. This military sensitivity app will help you step into their experience. The app actually begins inside the home of one of our beneficiaries, where you'll see objects on the dining table, for example, representing each branch of service, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, as well as the reserves. Our mm -hmm. associates can click on any object to jump into a deployment mission specific to that branch. Once there, they actually find additional objects to help them learn about, for example, protocol and culture, the history, rank, as well as pay grade, the family challenges that they experience, as well as additional resources available to uh, those service members. Now, going on to the market awareness application, to familiarize our associates with our field and market structure, we've developed a new market awareness lookup app. This app helps our associates learn more about where our beneficiaries actually live and the local needs such as geographical barriers and access to care considerations so that they actually can better step into the beneficiary's experience. The market and military tools are designed to work together and reinforce each other. For mm -hmm. example, a certain market could have a concentration for a specific branch of service, like the Army, promoting a need to learn more about that branch. Associates can access the Military Sensitivity app and select the branch of service object. Associates mm -hmm. can also learn more about the market, the team who works there, what you'll find in that actual market, and common things that they need to know about our local beneficiary needs and challenges. Like the military app, navigation is easy, and associates can roll over sections to access more details. Mm, okay. That, I mean, that's very, very comprehensive. And, um, 
you know, should give the agent, uh, the associate, an awful lot of uh, information that, that serves as background. I mean, I imagine one of the things that you're trying to do uh, with empathy is uh, have people put themselves in the head of and in the, the position of the person that they're talking to. So having that geographic knowledge. And, and actually, a quick question. I, I assume that all of the callers are in the in the United States. You don't have uh, foreign uh, deployed families uh, involved here, do you? Or, or, or am I wrong on that? All of our callers that we receive telephone calls from are in the United States, but our active duty service members are certainly on deployments that are outside of the United States, but we service mm -hmm. them as well as their dependents and their family members who are residing within the United States who are calling on their behalf to try to take care of their needs as well as needs of themselves and their children. Okay. Okay, great. Great. Well, uh, before I ask the next question, let me just mention that uh, anyone who's on uh, right now on the phone uh, can press 1, and uh, Brian can talk to you, and uh, you can... Uh, give us your question. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, uh, if, uh, gentlemen, you could tell us a little bit more about uh, what I understand is your Why We Are Here campaign uh, that I heard about from uh, Dee Buell, one of our uh, our associates who knows you very well. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, Bruce. Um, yes, we are very proud of our Why We Are Here campaign. Uh, it's actually now in its fourth year. Uh, it was initiated to help inspire a sense of pride in our company's unique mission and to express appreciation to associates for their dedication and their commitment to supporting military families and veterans. The campaign materials, which you'll see throughout our call centers, um, they're very thought-provoking, powerful, and full of patriotic images. And you can be seen on everyone's desktops and at the bulletin boards. Uh, you'll see all of the material proudly displayed. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that those are, are very um, – uh, th they're things that cement people to their jobs and to their commitment to uh, giving good service here. I'm just curious, uh, how is your turnover rate? Do you have a pretty stable population? Our, our turnover is very stable. It's, it's, um, I think part of what drives that is the fact that uh, unlike other call centers that both Ezra and I have been in uh, outside of – the TRICARE, the military um, environment, um, this particular environment has a very unique mission, and, and that's the other underlying reason why we drive this very heavily is because um, we have a sense of purpose, and so it's not about just answering calls all day long and, and assisting callers. There's, there's stories behind each and every one of those beneficiaries who call us. Oftentimes, it's, it's the spouse who remains behind while the other spouse is deployed. So there's that extra bit of effort that we need to provide uh, and the assistance. And I think just with that extra sense of purpose, it, it, it adds more value to how our associates um, perceive the role that they do. So mm -hmm. that definitely transcends into uh, longevity. In, in our Johnstown office, for example, uh, over half of the staff has been there um, since the beginning of the last contract, which which is now um, six or seven years um, ago, which uh, I believe is um, unprecedented in, in our industry. So that gives you a mm -hmm. sense of, of the commitment that we have. Well, that's great. I mean, hats off to both of you and to your teams because uh, certainly – 
you have a very good story to tell and a, a very good uh, sort of work life for, for your people to live, but it has to be managed properly. So that's what you're doing, and that sounds like you're doing a great job. So uh, hats off to you. That's great. Well, these are really good insights, and uh, I noticed that Brian has some questions for you, so I'd like to turn it over to Brian. All right, I sure do. Uh, Fidel, Ezra, I've got a, a two-parter for you to start things off with. And uh, I do want to once again remind everyone uh, that you can press the one on your phone if you're listening to us on your phone, and uh, we can get you on air. We'd love to uh, allow you to ask questions of our uh, guests today live, so uh, feel free to do that. But a lot of people seem to enjoy emailing questions, so we'll run with those for now. Uh, this comes from Judy, and uh, she asks, how do you score for empathy on your quality forms and what are the specific indices that you use and that you find hard to score? Mm, great question. <laughs> well, how we score for empathy is we really try to make sure that the representative is really meeting the need of the customer. So in scoring, we know that typically sometimes on audit forms it's really about what was done versus what was not done. But we really try to make sure that the customer experience is really maximized. So um, is the beneficiary's needs being met? Are we able to navigate them through the complex program? And really, at the end of the day, make sure that their needs have been taken care of. When our customers uh, give us responses that you were very helpful, um, this is very challenging, and yet um, I am very, very happy that or satisfied with the response. Um, we actually praise our associates because we try to empower them to do what's best for that beneficiary. And sometimes it means uh, making decisions uh, and changing things that may um, be on the benefit of the beneficiary to help them. So we're really, really uh, proud to the point where we um, have – excellent scores with our empathy because of the fact that we really empower and put that in the hands of the associates. Okay. Let me just uh, follow up on Judy's question here to make sure that um, it is fully answered. Um, and now you have uh, a variety of things that you do that you told us about for quality, which includes side-by-sides. It includes the customer satisfaction uh, scores, et cetera. Do you have a quality monitoring area that actually has a, a quality form that they fill out by listening to a random sample of calls, or, or do you not do that? We, we do. We have a combination of, of what you just described. Uh, we have a dedicated group. Um, I would say that I believe all of them have uh, once been CSRs and worked their way up through the organization, um, mm -hmm. and that is what they do on a full-time basis. Um, at the same time, we've also moved some of that responsibility to our supervisors um, as well. So it's a, it's a partnering of that process um, because we also believe that the supervisor should be engaged in that, that component of our associates' work. Okay, good. So, uh, in fact, I was at a conference uh, last week where they were talking about, you know, supervisor or QA, who should do the listening, who should do the coaching, and uh, it sort of various uh, ideas on that came out in terms of best practices. But uh, let me just ask again, because I think this gets to Judy's question. On the quality form that somebody is filling out, either supervisor or, or QA person, is there a separate component for empathy? Yes, there is. There is a separate component for empathy. And, and um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and I was just going to say, uh, just to get to uh, what I think Judy's question was, 
what, what is uh, is it one word? Is it uh, are there components to empathy, and and how do you actually score that? What would the uh, if we could be a fly on the wall during your uh, your sessions among the QA people where they're doing the calibration? Uh, what what would be the things that they're looking for for that uh, sort of elusive empathy component? Certainly, it. Uh, I would think that the word that comes to mind is the acknowledgement of what the beneficiary um, is expressing or going through. So, um, if they are dealing with a a loss or if they're dealing with uh, a deployment, we try to make sure that we're acknowledging that uh, we are apologetic, we are very very understanding, and we make sure that we're getting to the heart and uh, of the matter, engaging in a conversation prior to really going to resolving the issue. So um, part of the empathy that's scored on the audit form is making sure that the CSR is accurately uh, acknowledging that the beneficiary uh, has a concern. Okay, good. So so on the form, actually, uh, empathy is one of the things that's scored, correct? That is correct. And uh, what CSRs are, are instructed on, what they're trained on, is that uh, – a big component of empathy is acknowledgement. In other words, just sort of acknowledging the, their situation, et cetera, and, and putting themselves in that position. That is correct. Okay, okay. good, good. I, I think we probably got to the heart of uh, Judy's question there. If, if anybody wants, or Judy, if you want to send in a further question, please do. Okay, Brian, back over to you. All right. Uh, speaking of the CSRs, I like this next one. Uh, it comes from Gary on the email once again. And uh, it's, he says, this sounds like an excellent training designed to prepare your CSRs for the caller. What kind of feedback have you received from the CSRs? Hmm. Oh, that is a good question. Uh, so what we found is that our CSRs are always thirsting for more and more knowledge, whether it's regarding the markets we serve, the health benefits that are available to our service members, et cetera. You know, they hate to have to transfer a call because they don't know something, um, and they want to understand the geographic challenges our beneficiaries have getting to a provider's office. Mm. Um, in their opinion, the more they know, the more helpful they can be, and, and that's the, that's just our culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. All right. I have another question that comes from Abigail, and uh, she asks, do you have a process in place to receive feedback from your customer about the CSR's ability to emphasize with them? Uh, Abigail, that's a very good question, um, and the answer is yes. We have several ways that our customers can provide feedback to us, including a post-call survey, as well as web surveys, and, of course, feedback that's given to us uh, by the military treatment facility commanders. The post-call survey on our IVR has the ability for the caller to leave a short message and oftentimes, that's where we learn quite a bit about the caller's experience. With regard to the uh, post-call survey, then, uh, how is it that a person is selected to take that survey? Is is everyone automatically surveyed afterwards? Do they have to opt in when they come into the call ahead of time? Uh, how, how does that work, Ezra? It is actually a random survey. Um, based upon uh, the caller's information that they've put into the system. And they are given the opportunity during the course of the call to uh, opt in or opt out uh, at the conclusion of the uh, uh, call with the CSR. So it is mm-hmm. actually random. Okay. And is it is it uh, administered very quickly or shortly after the call, or does it take a couple of days before they get that? 
No, that's administered immediately after the phone call. Perfect. So prior, okay. prior to them hanging up, they uh, they receive that uh, call survey if they opt to take it, uh, and then that feedback is reviewed internally. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. Okay, Brian, do you have uh, another question? I do. I've got one more email, so uh, probably last shout-out for anyone on the phone that would like to ask a, a question. Remember, just to press the one, and we'll get you on the air, but we're coming up to the end of our show here, so do it fast if you want to do it. Uh, the last email question I have, that was from Shelly, and she asks, uh, how did you motivate the CSRs to embrace the Why We Are Here campaign? You know, uh, one thing, if if you walk into any of our call centers, you'll find a large amount of wall space dedicated to photos of our associates' family members, past and present, uh, who have served or are currently serving our country in the armed forces. It's a pretty impactful visual when you walk in, that, and our associates see that every day. And I think when our CSRs are talking to our customers, it helps many of them to relate to the stressors that our active duty members are going through, and it helps develop a common bond between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the uh, the sense of mission that uh, you have in your center is one that, um, you know, the mission of your center helps to uh, develop and to, to uh, really underline. And uh, I think it would be interesting for everybody who's listening to this to think about how they can also uh, create and nurture a sense of mission on the part of the people in their center. And uh, just about everyone can. I mean, if you think about people who are in life insurance companies and have to deal with uh, folks who are calling in have just lost a, a loved one, uh, if you think about uh, people who are having other challenges in life, which is one of the reasons that many people uh, will call a call center, or they may have a special, you know, some sort of special purchase or some sort of other special thing going on in their life, uh, need to find that and then to nurture it, figure out as managers how to nurture that in the call center. Uh, so uh, some of the other shows that we've done in the past, including the one with Professor Amabile talking about uh, the importance of inner work life for our agents, I think is one that uh, Fidel and Ezra, you've really brought uh, front and center in terms of uh, of your mission, uh, which you're obviously uh, uh, bring, bring forward and, and carrying out extremely well. So with that, actually, we are we are at the uh, end of our time here. So I'd like to thank both of you very much for being on, telling this uh, wonderful story. And uh, with that, turn it back over to Brian. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. Uh, Fidel, Ezra, thank you very much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you. For having us. Thank you, absolutely. Yeah, so also want to thank all the listeners that called in. We had some listeners from all over the country, uh, Michigan, Palm Beach, uh, Portland, Ohio, New York, uh, just to name a few. want to thank you for joining us. And uh want to remind you that we have uh, these shows in our archive at BenchmarkPortal.com, and you can listen to this show as well as any other show that we have at any time uh, that's convenient for you. So want to make sure that you do join us for our next live show, and that's going to be October seventeenth, two 2012, where we will be talking about working successfully with Generation Y. That's going to be a good one. And don't forget to sign up for a free reality check at Benchmark Report, uh, right at Benchmark Portal, and you can see how your call center compares to others in the industry. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day.
Monkey Music. <laughs> Have a good one.